So boys. Can I say that? Can I say yeah, boy? Yeah, I'm I'm a boy. I'm a boy. Oh, man. So men. Men. Who's your favorite person from the Bible? Hmm. I mean, I think the obvious answer is Jesus. Top out. Of course. <laughs> the only answer. We had to say it. Right. Okay. We got there. Anyways, <laughs> um, aside from Jesus, um, I would have to say Peter. There's just so many good stories from the Bible that really resonate with me that have to do with him. If you could pick one, like what, what's one that you think of like Peter, this is the guy like this. I like, I like this. Uh, honestly, it's, it's the, do you love me three times after he denied him mm. three times that like just that redemption arc. It's so good. Yep. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Um, I am going to go with Joseph. Oh, um, I was thinking about this for a while. Joseph starts out a little bit of a brat. Um, but I think what I really like about his story and his life is he has multiple moments where he kind of just puts his head down and trusts, um, trusts God and he works for years and years, uh, in some of these different stages of his life, just trusting that, um, things God's going to pull through and things are going to work out. Mm. And to me, that's always been a great testament of like, um, it's not, I think he, he can humble himself in each of those situations where he, he's kind of, to me, the ultimate example of like, it's not within my power to, um, get myself out of this situation. But you know, if I, if I'm faithful to what God's asking me to do, I know things are going to work out and they do. I mean, yeah. he, his, his like journey is this crazy redemption story. Um, yeah. Willem, who's your favorite biblical character? Well, Dan, I'm glad you asked. Can I do that perfect segue? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Room. My name's Dan. I'm here today with Willem and Garnet, and we are talking about love versus law. Actually, I had just asked Willem a question about who his favorite uh, person from the Bible is. So, Willem. Yeah, so... Uh, thank you for bearing with me um, with that incredible segue. Um, my favorite uh, person from the Bible is Cornelius, the um, the centurion who uh, Peter goes and talks to um, in the book of Acts. Um, and real quick fly through of the story for anyone who might not know, might have forgotten. Cornelius is a centurion, really stand up dude. Um, by all accounts, you don't really tell much about his like life before the story, but just he was God-fearing, centurion, he had power, um, but he was also God-fearing. He was spiritual in some way. Mm. And at a certain point, he got a, a vision of, of needing to get Peter to come to him to talk to him. And at the same time, Peter's praying and he gets a vision of saying that he should go with the, that men are going to come to find him and to go with them. Um, and he, that happens, they come to him, they, he goes with them. And a big thing was that Peter was Jewish and these men were Gentiles. Um, they were Romans. And in this story, Peter receives a vision of God lowering down a big sheet of animals and it says like pigs and 
and and cows and reptiles, like everything. And God tells him, Peter, kill these and eat them. Mm. Um, like very explicitly, not just like, you know, say he's like, eat them. Um, and the, the, he gets that same vision three times. Um, and as we learn from some of our teachings is that when something happens three times, pay attention. Mm, special because, number. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if God would smack you over the back of the head, but saying something three times is as close as you can get to that. Um, <laughs> like putting it in bold. And exactly. Yeah. And so the, 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 the message that came along with that was to kill these things and eat them. And it said, do not, uh, call things unclean that I have made clean. Mm. So mm. when, uh, Peter gets to Cornelius, he starts to talk to him about Jesus and he starts to kind of go down the line of like, yep, you can become a Christian. If you start to follow our traditional Jewish observances, you kind of live like us. And then Cornelius just kind of gets the spirit and just kind of welcomes the spirit in and just starts being influenced by it. And I think Peter has a moment of realization where this vision is not talking about food so much as it is talking about like Jew versus Gentile Mm -hmm. and that there was still, even after everything that Jesus had done, there was still a perception of Jewish people being like the chosen people. Mm. And there's still that disconnect between Jewish and Gentile. And this was kind of a, a light bulb moment of, oh, we follow different customs and we have these differences in culture, but that doesn't matter. That's, those are, those are some rules that we follow, but they aren't the core of the message. The core of the message is Jesus Christ was God incarnate. He died for your sins and by his grace, you are saved. Yeah. That's it. So Peter's extrapolating from this vision that seems to be just about, um, like opening up the menu options. Yeah. Baking. Um, yeah. (laughs) To like, oh, this is, uh, this is about more than just food. This is about, uh, you know, allowing, um, Gentiles into, into the faith, into the into the fold of, of followers of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and not getting them to conform to your way of doing things. Right. right? Mm. And I, I think at, at some point, Jimmy had mentioned that, um, Peter probably continued to follow Jewish custom mm. for the rest of his life. And that's not like necessarily a bad thing like that. That's not what was going to bring him closer to Jesus or not. Like that's, he's just choosing to eat different things. Yeah. And to live his life in a slightly different way. But that's, that's not the the point. It's the point was, was Jesus and the other stuff goes on top. Mm. And this story really helped my worldview. I grew up in the reformed church, which was very centered on like God, the almighty father, and then using the Bible to kind of interpret that and like learn from and be our example. And there's always kind of that disconnect of like, great, we're reading this Bible, it's saying all these things, but sometimes we don't do the things that the Bible is saying to do, mm. or we just like, we focus on some of the things and it was, it was, it was weird. And then I, I was on a worship team for some like youth retreat event and the, the, the like theme of the week was love God, love the world. And I was like, okay, good. We got it. That's, that's my theology all right there. Yeah. Figured it out at the tender age of 18. Mm. Um, <laughs> I know more now. 
Um, but yeah, it's just the idea of Jesus kind of distilling the commandments down to, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And yeah, it's just that that kind of like clicked for me that there's all these other rules and ways to live, which can be good, but that's not what's important. There's there's two things that you need to do. You need to love the Lord your God and you need to love your neighbor. Hmm. And if you do those two things, you're on the right track. So how do we do that? I mean, we I've I've heard I, I think that's something that we we talk about a lot, especially at the meeting house. I think within Anabaptist circles that it's it's about loving your neighbor and less about following the the laws or the the rules um that we may find in the Bible. Um, but like, how do we tangibly kind of work that, that stuff out? Um, is there a point to the rules? Like, do we just throw the rules out? Uh, rules, who needs them? Anarchy reign. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I think there's, there's good things there. Um, I don't think it's, they're, they're the most important thing, but I think by like, if you follow the 10 commandments, you're doing pretty good. If you're not murdering your neighbor, good job. You can start on a good track, yeah. Good to start, yeah. And I think a lot of those rules are there to help us do that, to mm. to help love our neighbor. But there's a point where they they can get in the way. They can become a thing from that is is pointing you in in, in a direction to like a checkbox that you have to do or, you know, a, a way to look and say, okay, well, this person isn't following these rules. So there's something wrong with that person. Right. Mm. Yeah. So we see a little bit of that in, um, maybe Peter's posture in the, in the Cornelius story, right. Is that there's this in group, which is the, uh, Jewish believers, the Jewish followers of Christ and people like Cornelius who hold these other, observe these other customs and, and, um, beliefs. And he has to kind of square the difference there, right? Is what is it that God's trying to say to me through this vision? Um, and how do you allow someone into your circle of, uh, of a belief system when they don't hold the same customs as you? Um, how do we define the in-group out-group or do we, right? Um, cause it seems like that was a, that was a really important thing in the, um, the system that came before is like, there's a way that the Jewish people are set apart and this is kind of what makes them unique and God's chosen people. Um, mm. but we're just doing away with that now. Yeah. I think there's, um, a really good, uh, picture of it that I really like, uh, Mark Baker, um, his centered set church, um, I, I, I helped work on it when he was doing the video portion of the, of his book study. I helped like work on that and film that. Mm. And so I was kind of hearing everything like a couple months before it came out. So when people started talking about it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like people were talking about it, like there's this new book and I'm like, what are you talking about? I know this. this is like this, is, I, I, I know all about this. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the crux of it and, and not to say go read his book. It's a really good book. Um, but the, the spark notes of it is the, there's kind of two ways you can have a church is to have a bounded set or a centered set. Mm. And so a bounded set is creating your church, your faith and 
by having like a circle and whoever's inside the circle is in and whoever's outside that circle is out. Mm. And to get in the circle, you have to do things a certain way. You have to be a specific people group. You have to follow these specific rules. And if you're inside the circle and you break those things, you're now on the outside. And so, and that's, that sounds like a church system that we're probably all quite familiar with, whether we're believers or not. Uh, I think that that's like the pretty, that's, that's a pretty like stereotypical image of what a church looks like. Well, and in that set still, there's the viewpoint of in my circle, in this group, Jesus is in here. Yeah. We're in there with him. There are others that are outside of that. Yeah. But you're not watching Jesus. You're watching the border of your, of your bounds to, to say, to figure out where you are and to figure out where everyone else is. Where you draw the line. Yeah. And so then the, the opposite of that is a centered set church, which is Jesus is at the center and there's no bounds. You're all just moving towards Jesus. And what I find really interesting about that image is with a bounded set, you just have to cross the border you're in. You just need to follow these rules. With a centered set, you can come from different directions. So what is you moving towards Jesus might look different. Someone could be coming the other way and you might be thinking this person is moving against me, but they're just coming from a different perspective. They're moving in a different direction, but it's all towards Jesus. And so the, the analogy he used was um, like uh, herding cattle and how <laughs> you could either put up a fence to keep your cattle in a field or in Australia, they have massive swaths of land, tons of cattle. It's just impractical to build fences. So instead, they build big watering holes in the middle of the pasture. Hmm. And so the cattle will roam, but they're always going to come back to the water because they need that. And that's kind of what a centered set church looks like, is that you move towards Jesus. And there's points when you start, you're going towards Jesus and you go off center. But if that's always what you're focusing on, you're going to turn around, you're going to start coming back. Right. And as you're moving away from it, hopefully other people who are moving towards it will kind of catch you and help get you right on the back track. It's kind of like flies going towards or like moths to a, to a lamp. Yeah. They keep just kind of flying in. They're they're drawn into it and you're never going to land on it because we're human. We make mistakes, but you're always going to be kind of like zipping around it. I think what I what I'm finding most interesting about that analogy, specifically with the bounded set, is that uh, the the simple fact of being bounded and having that boundary forces you to focus on the boundary rather than the thing that you're meant to be focusing mm-hmm. on in the first place. Yeah. So you might all be bunched closer to the center, but you're all kind of focused on the wrong thing. And and I think that's maybe where our conversation leads next is like when we're talking about love versus law, Mm. if the focus is law, it's misguided, right? Like we are, uh, we're agonizing over something which is supposed to lead us towards Jesus rather than how have us, um, overemphasize the importance of following some particular like guideline to the letter of the law. Um, so I, when I think of examples of that, like, Uh, some of the most stark ones to me are like, you know, you, um, come to church on Sunday wearing your Sunday best, um, or you take your hat off while you're praying. Um, and I don't like, these aren't really things that are tied necessarily to 
Love. like to well to like the 10 commandments per se or whatever yeah. like they're they kind of i'm not really sure what the origin of those those belief systems i'm not even are. sure if they mentioned hats in the bible yeah <laughs> but there but there's gonna, an element of we'll look that up yeah we'll uh fact check on fact check that quickly hats in the bible um but it's sort of like you know what yeah, I guess like like why are we why are we agonizing over this thing? Do we really believe that God um, benefits somehow from the way that we dress when we come on Sunday, or that He really cares about those kinds of things? Well, and I think it it starts from a point of respect and wanting to be respectful of a place of worship and wanting to be respectful of God, and so we have this idea that oh, I want to dress nice. I want to make sure that I'm not wearing a hat, uh, when I'm talking to God, uh, in a way of just showing signs of respect for God. Mm. But then it, it gets taken beyond just a matter of respect. And this is where it gets into that, that law part and it becomes a, a social moray in the church or a societal norm to say, oh, well you have to do this or else. Yeah. It's you are now the outcast. You are now outside of our bounded set because you're not conforming to this. Right. And like I grew up in an Anglican church and everyone dressed up nice. And and something that was kind of neat was um, even the pastors or the paid holy people had these lovely robes and everything. And it was very pretty and it was really nice. It was part of the experience. But if someone came and they weren't dressed up nice, less so with the younger crowd, but more with like the more traditional crowd, um, there was sort of looks given. Get stares, yeah. Exactly, yeah. They're looked down on or, or deemed like they weren't ready for church, right? Right. There was a, a church that I knew growing up uh, in my teenage years, and they were colloquially known as the Frozen Chosen, um, because same thing, like if you were not wearing like a suit and you went in, like you just get all these old Dutch people like, just looking at you and they're just like, and it was it was intimidating, but yeah. it also like, I mean, made you not want to go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is kind of like the uh, the side effect of that, right? Is again, it's it's that bounded set system where everybody's their number one focus is making sure those barriers are well defined, and if you don't conform, if you don't look the way that we do on Sunday morning, then you don't belong here. Um, which I can't think of anything. I mean, not, not to overly harp on, you know, churches that do this, but like, I can't, I can't think of how that embodies Christ's love for, yeah. um, yeah. It, it's, it's interesting because it feels like this is something that just keeps happening where like, they'll get like the message and then they start adding a whole bunch of, you know, bells and whistles to it. And then someone comes along and is just like, nope, we're like, we don't have to do all these extra things. It's just kind of this one thing. And then we're like, all right, we'll do this one thing. And to help us, we'll do this. But now you have to do these things. Right. Improv of yes and. Yeah. They, <laughs> they just keep yes sanding the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was, that was kind of what uh, Jesus really rallied against in a lot of his ministry was like he was fighting against kind of these uh, additions to the law that came along later. Um, I think, you know, uh, some of the most common ones related to the Sabbath. And how you were meant mm-hmm. to keep the Sabbath and not work on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to be laid, like put put aside as this day of rest. But then it kind of became this day that was almost militantly. Yeah. Uh, Counting your steps, 
eating certain things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you couldn't, you couldn't have a more strict system for something that limited your ability to do anything really on that day than kind of what existed in, uh, first century Israel. And, and the point of the day of rest too was like, you know, God saw all that he had made and it was good. And he took a day of rest to enjoy his creation right. and say, this, this is a, a good thing that I've done. I want to appreciate it. I want to be in it. And by filling it with rules that you have to follow. So ca- if, if you're really counting nice. your steps, you're not l- looking around where you're walking and taking in the beautiful scenery of mm. the path you're on. You're thinking, I hope I have enough steps to get back to my house. Right, right. <laughs> so I well, guess I'll stop here. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, wa- I want to circle back to that conversation about Sunday best, though, because I think that there actually is a version of this that maybe looks a little bit more centered set. And we had a conversation earlier about um, both of your unique experiences, having grown up in traditions that hold these beliefs to where like how you practice those things now do you guys want to go ahead and just yeah i mean i when i was looking for a church uh as i was growing up and growing in my faith i started coming to the meeting house and other churches where they didn't have that as a norm uh and so i felt just able to come as myself i was able to come as i am both spiritually and attire wise Mm. uh and it was really nice and refreshing to have that vibe and have everyone else there have the same understanding of that it's like oh no you come as you are whether that's hurting whether that's tattered whether that's hand-me-downs or 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 dressed up and and that's still fine like you can still dress up if you want to dress up but there is no um like mores or any social norm as far as what you had to wear uh, and it was just a really nice and welcoming piece that, that again, goes to that love aspect of love versus law. Yeah. 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 And then similarly, like we were talking, like when Garnet and I were talking, we just like grew up similar, like similar traditions, similar ages, both good looking. Like it's, um, <laughs> if you're just listening to this <laughs> audio only, you're just going to have to take my word for that. Um, but I don't need to find the video. Just, yeah, just no, just, it. just, yeah. Don't fact check, please. Um, <laughs> But yeah, same thing. I grew up and you would, you'd get dressed up, you'd go, um, you know, you wouldn't wear a hat to church. Mm. Um, and my dad always wears a ball cap. And so when he doesn't wear a ball cap, it's like, it's, it's, it's different. Like it, it is different than the entire rest of his life. (laughs) Um, and I think the first time we came to the meeting house, there was a teaching about you don't have to come like dressed up and that was the that was the whole point of the teaching is that god really doesn't care if you're wearing a suit if you're wearing a t-shirt if you're wearing extravagant robes it's about the posture of your heart and but then where i I differ from from garnet is me and my family we still kind of dress up for sunday um and I find that it's a, for me, it's a way of one, it's, it's respect, just kind of like, it's, it's, it's an important thing. It's kind of like a, a privilege that we get to do is get to go to mm-hmm. church. So I want to look, look nice for it. Um, but also it's a way of, of focusing myself, um, and that the rest of the week I'm just wearing regular clothes. And then on Sunday, I want to take some time to think about it and to, 
wear something a little different so it has some impact. Um, yeah, I just for me, I think it's a, a a very helpful tool to keep me focused on why that's an important day. Mm. Um, yeah, and that- I, I think I'm just going to add here my my spicy take. Despite all the ragging on rules we've been doing, <laughs> I think rules are very helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Like they, they serve, they certainly serve a purpose. And, but I think to me, what, what the, the dichotomy that exists here is a great example of like, uh, of centered set, like what we were talking about before, mm-hmm. right? You could take your two different stances on what it means to like how you approach wearing your Sunday best on Sunday morning and be in total opposition to each other. Yeah. 100%. So, like we disagree, we do two completely different things. But rather than being focused on the boundaries and forming your own in-group about, you know, wearing whatever makes you feel comfortable on Sunday, whatever, like having people accept you as you are versus dressing up a little nicer to help you focus on God, you're both in the in-group, you're coming at it from different directions, Mm -hmm. but your goal is the same, right? Your goal is Jesus. Your eyes are on Jesus. Um, You're just, you're, you're you're doing different things and that ultimately doesn't matter in terms of, of where you're headed. Yeah. And I really like when we were talking earlier, you had this amazing perspective that I think both of us just found really, um, like jarring almost just to be like, Oh yeah. When you were talking about how, cause you know us both fairly well and you're saying, well, like a lot of that's indicative of your social nature, like your whether personality you're, type, yeah, yeah. Your person, whether you're introverted or extroverted and that it, I didn't even think about it that mm-hmm. way. And it was just cool to think of, oh yeah, I'm here thinking, oh, when I go to church, I can come as I am. Everyone else can come as they are. We all come together and we have this social norm now. It's still a social norm. Yeah. It's just the clothing matters less than the people. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, uh, and not to steer too far away from the value of rules, because we are going to go there, but um, holding rules... uh, strictly with no level of flexibility, I think, um, causes us to ignore the fact that we are, uh, we are very different. All of us, Mm. there are, uh, humans are, um, yeah, unique in many different ways. And we approach things in, in, in all sorts of, uh, from all sorts of angles and, and like having one bounded set of rules that uh, has us all conforming to operating the exact same kind of way can kind of be a disruptor to that and um, can be really advantageous for certain people and um, really disadvantage uh, other groups. Um, so yeah. I think it's it's important to not to turn a blind eye to that. Yeah, I think I think rules can be if we're looking at centered set, um, like a like a guide like they're guideposts. Right? Mm. They're gonna they should be something that you can kind of set your eyes on and move towards as long as it's going towards the center. Um, yes. And I think, I think where people, where, where it can become a problem is when instead of a thing that you're moving towards, it's that becomes the goal, right? Cause then you start moving towards, you know, you have to tithe a certain percent. So you mm. move towards that. And if you don't make it, you, you feel like you fall, you feel like you've fallen short. Mm. And so you haven't, gotten to that boundary yeah and so i think once those become the goal they become the boundary um whereas they should just be guideposts that you're constantly striving towards um and they could change i think in your life i think you could they could they could change 
um, as your as as your faith develops. But as long as it's still going towards the center, like you just keep trying to get there. Yeah, and there's just so much consistency there in the way that Jesus approached, um, like a, a lot of what he taught during his ministry. Right, I think of the story of the woman who uh, who came to the temple with only a few coins, while the rich men are coming and pouring in sacks of of money, and he says do what this woman has done she gave everything that she had right like the the um underlying value that's held there the the surrender um that uh, is really like embodied in what she does in in that moment um is just held in contrast to i guess these these wealthier men who come in um almost in a showy way to give all kinds of uh generous gifts um but their hearts are not in the right place. They're there to kind of bolster their own image and not really sacrifice in any meaningful way. Yeah. Mm. And when we look to like the value, like you're saying, the value of rules, the value of rules is the purpose of them. If we look to rules for rules sake and we get like closed in on that boundary, then it's meaningless. But if we actually look at the value behind it, like even when we look at all the different laws and things that were probably added on to the 10 commandments, the heart behind those pieces was probably quite genuine. Mm. Like there was probably some really good meaning behind why they added those. Yeah. But then over time, that meaning and value of that got lost. And so that's where we do away with the rules and we say, okay, we have to go back to love. We have to go back to Jesus center again, where we're meant to be because we've gone astray. We need someone else to help us recenter and head back towards Jesus. It, they've, uh, in, in, teachings past uh here at the meeting house they've talked about that how some of those old like levitical laws of like you know when a woman is menstruating send her away or certain things like that you know they were a nomadic desert dwelling community and so a lot of those things were like to help for sanity's sake right like um and i mean that sanitation sanitation yeah sanitation's <laughs> sake yeah. um yeah. I mean, walking around a desert for 40 years is probably not good for the brain anyway, but <laughs> well, that's a different, that's a different podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all these things to kind of help that community at the time, which is, which is great. Um, but again, it's not the point that's, yeah. um, and there's, there's, there's times in Jesus's life where he, it, it's, it's so interesting to, to read some of the things that he says that there are he he shows like such deep knowledge of script of scripture the old testament you know the jewish law i mean like he was when he was young he was sitting in the synagogue teaching it and so he's got such a deep respect for the law mm -hmm. and he he never just says like ah throw it all out yeah. but i'm here to fulfill the law exactly yeah. yeah and he's saying like all of these rules are great and I think what he's saying, fulfill the law, he's talking about love, like mm. his sacrifice, his view on loving God, loving your neighbor, that like fully committed, unconditional love is that's, that's what the law is pointing you towards. Yeah. It shouldn't be holding you back from stuff. It yes. should be, it should be making you dive deeper into like helping people, making the world better. Right. Yeah. It was always there to achieve that purpose. Right. And he'll teach constantly using hyperbole where he talks about like, you know, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, 
uh, if you even think about killing your brother, you've committed murder. And it's like, well, first of all, that's, that's a really frustrating new uh, milestone to set if you're someone who really cares about keeping the law to the letter of the law, because how do you enforce thought crimes? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but that's not the point. That's not why he's saying that. He's saying the goal of this law that was in place to prevent violence in your community was to prevent violence in your, your community, not to uh, allow violence under certain conditions where things are equated and it's fine. Mm. Um, because that's all you get if you just practice the law for the sake of practicing the law. Uh, the real value there again is we're trying to, uh, create a society where nobody's gouging out each other's eyes or knocking out each other's tooths. Um, but that gets missed. Um, and I think laws to kind of, uh, for me, I feel like it always comes back to uh, sort of like this human desire to have control over our own circumstances. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So laws really uh, bolster that ability because it's sort of like, here's ways that we can kind of enforce a world with order. Yeah. Um, but it leaves no room for the nuance in uh, the different circumstances that we face in our lives. Um, I've, I think, again, going back to keeping the Sabbath, like there's mm. all sorts of examples where Seemingly the right thing to do might be to jump into the river and save a, a drowning child. But if your law says you're not allowed to work on a Sunday, that might get in the way of that. Um, you really have to then reevaluate whether this is a law that's helping you do good things mm. um, or not. Well, I think for like the to, to build on the Jesus using hyperbole, right? Like he says, like if you're if your hand causes you to steal, cut it off. Right. Your eyes cause you to lust gouge them out um and i think by that same like thought process if your law causes you to not love your neighbor get rid of the law like spicy take deal with as someone who just proclaimed that they love rules yeah send your send your complaints to jimmy rushton (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i no, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm totally on board with this. Like, yeah. But, but that being said, I know that I can, that this is a, and I've had lots of conversations about it, that this is, this is a pretty like liberal kind of take on, uh, on the Bible and that there's a lot of people who are like, no, there's a lot of good rules in there. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good things. Um, I think my personal take is that all of the rules are towards loving God, loving your neighbor. And like, they're, they're going to fit in there some way. And if they don't fit in those categories, I think they should be, they're they're either in a different context where they might mean something different Mm. or they might need to be reevaluated. I don't know. Well, and like what you were saying, like these laws are, are, and rules are put into place in the effort to help us do good. So if these are preventing us from doing good, like you were saying with the the river analogy, um, or or that side of things, it's they're defeating the purpose they were created for. Yeah. And so when we look at like, oh well, even tying things back to what we were first saying, like love God, love others. If the law or rule is not helping you to do one of those things, then it's not serving the purpose it was created for. Yeah. Yeah. It, like 
again, I really do feel like a lot of this forms the the crux of what Jesus's message was during his ministry years. When he talks about Pharisees being hypocrites, it's mm. because the law gets in the way of them being able to really embody the 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 spirit of uh, the values the laws are meant to instill. Right, and they're so rigid. Right, like yes. it's, it's like you said, it is that checklist of I need some sort of guidelines in order to tell me, yes, I've been good or no, I have not. Yeah. And so when you have that rigidity, you lose the semblance of grace. Mm -hmm. And so you lose that intangible aspect of, well, there are going to be certain scenarios that don't apply to these rules or that these don't fit into. So yeah, they're still great. They still help us to be better and help us to hopefully focus on, on God. But at the same time, we need to also add that aspect of grace there as we've been shown and that way we can apply it and move forward even around some of these laws that seem preventative what i find interesting there too is we were talking a bit before um before we, we started recording um about how when you're kind of following like a legalistic sense and you want to follow these rules a lot of like the end goal is like to get to heaven right like right. you got to live these check these boxes every day so that you can get to heaven and like that's, but like it's, the Bible is very clear that it's through grace alone mm. you're saved, which is the, the, I don't know, I, I find that like a really like almost controversial spicy meatball yeah. in Christianity that, yeah, it's through grace alone. Like it's, you could be like an excellent person, but, um, and, and, and I, I still struggle with that. Like if you are a amazing humanitarian but you worship the Hindu pantheon, do you go to heaven? Mm. You could be, mm. you could be a more altruistic person than any Christian alive, but do they still get to go to heaven? And I, I struggle, I struggle with that. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's a whole other thing to talk about, yeah. but, but that focus on getting to heaven through rules while also saying it's through grace alone is a, a, a it feels like a cognitive dissonance. Yeah, absolutely. There's a pretty stark contrast there, right? Um, how do you hold both of those things in concert? And I think that like, you know, when we come back to this idea of being centered set, the rules find a place again, a value again in a system where grace ultimately rules. Because like, how do you, how do you strictly adhere to a set of rules to the letter of the law and yet also believe that ultimately it's by grace alone that you're saved. Um, yeah, there's, there's a disconnect there for sure. So the, the log or the logical outcome of that, I think then is to ask, you know, what, what purpose do these laws serve? How do these laws draw me closer to Jesus? And it's in, um, like loving our God and, and loving our neighbor. It's in, in making this world better in the here and mm. here and now, and not just banking on, on eternity. Um, and I, I mean, Jesus says it, says it well, right? Like I came to, to save the, um, uh, or I, I came for the sick and not for, for the healthy. I'm completely butchering the quote there, but hmm. like he is there to, um, it, all of his attention is focused on, on the people that, that ultimately need it on the people that need to be uplifted, not to ostracize them, not to put them in the out group, not to hold them at arm's length and say, you're not good enough or you're unholy or you're unclean, but you're welcome. You, grace is for you as well. 
and he spends really like his whole life uh trying to get that message across it, it, it just clicked for me while you're saying that that the whole like a bounded set where like you're looking at you're watching the boundary but centered set is there's movement involved right mm. and i mean that's part of like meeting house anabaptist tradition is like going and serving right that is like a fundamental to what we believe as the meeting house and i just like that idea of like bounded set as you're you're st- you you're in and now you're watching you're trying to figure out yeah you're trying to maintain that boundary but center set is you are moving yeah you are and by going like jesus says what you do for the least you do for me and so by going to those groups the marginalized mm-hmm. the the people who who need help you're going to jesus that's that's centered set is by going and doing those things that is moving to Jesus on just so many planes of thought. Absolutely. And uh, honestly, I don't think we're going to be able to, uh, to, to top that. That kind of feels like the perfect place to maybe put in a, a pin in it for this week. So thanks everybody for joining us. Um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next week.